Hello, I am Crystal Grafton Combs, and you're listening to Coffee Talk with Crystal. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. If you have joined us before, welcome back. This podcast is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Sometimes I will answer questions from our sisters, and others I will invite friends to do the same. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to my next conversation. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning, Crystal. I feel like I say that with everyone. Good morning. (laughs) Is it morning where it is still morning for you? It's actually afternoon. Um, it's around oh, 12.40. Oh, my goodness. There is mm-hmm. quite some time between yeah. us, then. I do forget this. So, you are Samantha Lehman. Yes. You are an AOPI sister and a friend. Tell- yes, I believe so. Yeah, yes. No, I think that's a fair statement. Um, tell me, so tell everyone where you are coming from today, like where you live in the world today. Well, I live on an island, actually. I live on an island. But wait, to be clear, an actual island, not an island because of the virus. (laughs) (laughs) An actual island, yes. Um, It's called The Rock. It's Newfoundland. Uh, Newfoundland and Labrador is the province in Canada, but I live in Newfoundland. I live in the capital city of St. John's. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting place to be. I'm here because of my PhD and uh, Memorial University, which is where I'm studying. So uh, I've been progressively moving east in the past few years. You have now, where did you start? I started at Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario, and that's where I um, went through for AOPI. And then I moved to Halifax um, in Nova Scotia for Dalhousie for my MA. So I've only ever lived in capital cities. That's one of my favorite facts about where I've lived so far. (laughs) Which is not something I can say. And you are currently studying for your PhD in? In English literature, specifically medieval literature and popular culture. So you know this makes my head hurt. You know that we have talked about this often. what you do because you're so so when we first met and we'll talk about that in a little bit um we both have a love of the written word but yours takes a far different path than mine because my book list right now is things like Agatha Christie because I'm reading with my son for one of his school projects and other fun Um, Little Fires Everywhere is next up on my reading list. But these are not the things you read for fun. No, not exactly. I do definitely indulge um, in other forms of fiction, especially because I do study popular culture. I do tend to read around in fiction. Um, Currently, I'm reading the Crystal Cave Trilogy, I believe it's called, by Mary Stewart, which is an adaptation of King Arthur's life. Um, it of follows Merlin. Of course Mormon. it is. <laughs> so, so everything I okay, do but wait, need, but this is not. But this is not like an adaptation the way that Harry Potter would be fun reading. Well, it's, it's not historically encumbered, necessarily. I'm not reading you know, Tolstoy or something like that, at least not at this point. (laughs) Um, I gave up on the word piece a long time ago. (laughs) 
but uh, I do I do try and read. Agatha Christie's a great uh, great read. I haven't read her in a while, but I read a comic book yesterday. You know, it was for school, but it's still a comic <laughs> book. So I I try my best to uh, add some lightheartedness to what I tend to read. But right now I'm in the midst of preparation for exams, so I have about 107 books I need to read, which. I'm sorry. Oscillate between being theory and being fiction. Did you just say 107? Yes. Between now and when? July 11th. That's just not funny. <laughs> it's not, believe me. <laughs> I'm just happy to get through the board book that has been assigned to me. Oh my goodness. And when you are done, you will be a doctor of... Uh, Doctor of Philosophy, which is like the general term that they would apply, um, but I would have my doctorate in English Literature. And this comes to you when? Hopefully, depending on how long this pandemic, I suppose, lasts and how that changes timelines in about two years, uh, 2022. So your finals that are coming for July are a step toward this end goal. Yeah. After I complete those, I get to start writing my thesis. I would say congratulations. I'm not sure that's the right <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, I it. definitely want to start writing. I will. I will go with it then and support you in all of those things. You Thank know, you. as a numbers person, it makes my head hurt. <laughs> now, Samantha, you are an AOPI, of course, our Gamakai yes. chapter, correct? Yes. Yes. So, talk to me a little bit about your AOPI experience. There is so much to say about Gamakai, um, my AOPI experience. I guess I'd have to start at the very beginning, which uh, means that I start before I started at Carleton. Um, about a few weeks before I started my undergraduate year at Carleton University, I went through all of the potential clubs and societies that I could join on uh, the Student Council website. And I came across the idea of Greek life. And it's not something that I'd ever potentially considered. But the more I read about it, the more intrigued I was. And this story is one that uh, quite a few from my class will tell about me, so I will continue with it, is uh, I created a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing. That's not funny. (laughs) For my parents to convince them um, to be okay with me going to my first Panhellenic info night. And I put together a presentation of all the, all the Greek organizations that I could potentially go through for recruitment. And I presented the pros and cons of these types of things. And my parents were kind of like, okay, go for it okay, as wait. long as you are comfortable. Wait, wait, wait. So, so you, <laughs> like, as a parent of a child that's not far from this prospect, were your parents used to you making PowerPoint presentations to them to like defend decision making? one of the first times I've done that <laughs> specifically. Um, I think I was in, uh, I think I was anticipating more resistance to the idea because Greek life wasn't something that we were familiar with in Canada. And my dad's experience with it sort of extended to sometimes at University of Toronto and Animal House and my mom had no idea. So I figured that that was the best way to go about it was to preempt any concerns that they might have by giving them all of the information I could uncover. This is amazing, just for the record. 
Um, and the research did stop there, actually. So when I went to my first panhel info night, I made one of my first, who became an AOP sister, one of my first friends, um, because she asked me what I was doing with the binder because I had gone through and done research on what types of questions people might ask me and things like that and any questions I should be asking. And it's, it's a long, it's a long, complicated series of research, but uh, it was, it was a great way to make friends. It was a great way to break the ice. Um, <laughs> I guess it was. <laughs> and uh, it made me feel prepared because I think when you're taking this step to be involved in something that you aren't entirely familiar with, it uh, helped me feel a little bit more comfortable and in my wheelhouse. School had always been sort of my safe place. And I was looking to expand that through getting into Greek life. But I wanted to make sure that they understood that school came first. So. Having my research there sort of stood as I will commit to you as much as you will commit to me. And it's something I feel like we say a lot in AOPI is you get what you put into it. And uh, I feel like I put a lot into my preparation for it because I wanted them to return that to me. And I was very lucky that uh, I did. Um, yeah, AOPI made an impression on me from the first uh, time I met them during recruitment and they just continued to. My class was quite large for our school, not in comparison to other spaces, but I believe we had about 35. We almost doubled our chapter wow. and it was quite the experience. Um, and throughout the years, I just continued to invest in AOPI because I was getting so much out of it. I'd always wanted siblings as an only child and the sisterhood really appealed to me and I was lucky enough to find sisters in that chapter who are still very much my sisters today. <laughs> and sisters who are not in that chapter. That oh, are very of course. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I, I think about this often because I first met you at a Northeast weekend, correct? Yes. 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 So, so I, you know, as one ages, things tend to, shall we say, merge together in one's mind. But, but I do remember, I, and I can't tell you which campus it is, but I know that there were steps. There were lots and lots of steps, and we were going down and up, and we get to the top, and you and I at some point are walking along these steps, and we strike up this conversation. And I don't mean like five steps, and I'm a distance runner. Well, I remember. Running is not the same as climbing stairs. It might have been, I, nobody quote me on this, it might have been Sigma Chi, it might have been Hartford, but I'm not sure. I don't know, but I know there um, were But I do remember it because I remember when I saw you and I remember hanging back because I wanted to talk to you, um, because you had just given a presentation about the foundation and then you told a story about the impact that sort of your chapter had on your life and you had talked about ritual briefly and I was I still am uh, very connected to our ritual it's one of the things that helps sort of keep me grounded um, especially being so far from sisters um, for the past few years and I remember thinking I just had to tell you how meaningful that was to me so I hung back and we ended up talking well um, and you know it, it might have been Hartwick College because I think that was my first maybe visit to Northeast Weekend. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's where it was. So if it's not, we have fond memories of it. 
But I think to me, sort of, I, I do remember having this conversation with you. I didn't know you had hung back to have it. I'm glad that you did. But it, it was, you know, I meet a lot of people. Back then I was on the foundation. It was, it was, that's when I really started to travel, I think, a lot for the purpose of, of course, fundraising for the foundation, but then meeting our sisters across the continent that, that we help or could help or want to give back to help others. And I've met so many people and, you know, everyone makes an effort to have good conversation and there's always this, oh, I'd love to stay in touch moment. And then you go home and you get back to your lives and you are kind of done, right? And and then every now and then you think about it and you've lost the business card and whatever the case may be. But you and I had that conversation and then sure enough, I don't know, a couple of months later, in pops this message in my inbox. And I was like, wait, I know this person. And, and I mean, this has been years now, Samantha, and every couple Six. of months, yeah, we, we have this email exchange and catch up on life. And it, it still, I think I am still impressed by us and our willingness because we do not otherwise have a conversation outside of it or a reason to connect in real life, like in person, because you do live in a different country, literally and on an island. And I'm rarely at home when it's not in the middle of a pandemic. And it's, mm-hmm. it has, I, it is one of the things I think I am most proud of is that there is the opportunity for our sisterhood to foster these friendships that are really amazing and that have lasted years on such a personal level and yet we see each other literally once sometimes twice in a biennium right my other favorite thing about us is that from the time i was elected to the executive board at conventions we have like every executive board member has these various tasks and we all have to sit in a place for different luncheons and dinners and and there's one that i never have to do anything for it's the panhellenic luncheon so every convention since we've met you and i have had lunch at the panhellenic luncheon and louisa shout out to louisa i get to see her as well um, and and it really has become sort of this tradition and this year my godchild was with us and I was like, oh, we have to save two spaces. Go find a table. Either we have to find Sam or she will find us, but we have this lunch together every two years. <laughs> and I actually thought about it randomly the other day as we were talking about Leadership Institute and how, and I was so very thankful that this was not a convention year because I'm watching my Panhellenic sisters have to juggle all things convention for their organizations and and it is such a different experience right now for them. And then I thought, oh, wait, in this position, I probably have something to do at the Panhellenic Luncheon. And so I literally have a note that like when the time comes, I need two places at wherever table I have to sit <laughs> for you and Louisa, because otherwise we don't get to see each other and have a lunch because that's one of my favorite things <laughs> that we do at convention. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, you're going to bring me to tears. <laughs> uh, I, I'm probably just very isolated and miss people. But that's, 
That's definitely one of the favorite things that uh, we've done together. And I really appreciate that. And you've had so many responsibilities over the year and always making time. I think that's one of the most important things that we see in our sisterhood is the care that people put into the relationships that they build and the time that they devote to sometimes people that they hardly know. And that first year at convention, I remember I was sort of waiting to see if I was going to convention. And we had sort of corresponded a bit, but you you really didn't know me still yet. And it meant so much to me to have you there and to support me through my first convention experience because while it's amazing, it's also extremely overwhelming. And uh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Well, and, you know, anyone that knows me knows that convention is my very favorite thing. Like, I start planning my wardrobe on the flight home from the, you know, from the convention we are experiencing mm-hmm. and, and all of these fun things. But I love when women I know are going for the first time. And I always try to, whether it's LI or convention, and it was funny, I was having a conversation with um, a friend that I had met for an and. LI event and I didn't know her before she had won a scholarship that I'd helped endow and I had said to them you know when she gets here come find me because I want to see her face and I want her to know if she has questions and I want to give her a hug and I did not know that she was petrified (laughs) because as soon as she checked in she was like somebody said go find crystal gold (laughs) I was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry so I'm absolutely going to change my approach moving forward (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, because I remember particularly, I was not able to find you at registration, but it was after opening ritual that mm-hmm. we were able to find each other and sit and visit some. And it's it too ranks among my favorite things because I think that for us to have, you know, it's an interesting thing to share a ritual experience with women you know. Because mm-hmm. you were there. Most of them were there when you were initiated. And, and it's a very comfortable thing. But to me, to share a ritual with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of women in a room that you do not necessarily know, but you have such a deep and abiding connection to, is pretty amazing. And there's not a ritual at convention that goes by that I don't shed a tear. It's probably kind of weird, but... Sure. No, I don't think so at all. I think it demonstrates a connection to our values and our virtues and something that you embody wholeheartedly. And it's something that I try and get across to all of the KORs that I advise how important ritual is beyond just the chapter itself. Because it really is one of those things that connects you to your sisters beyond. And I remember thinking about that at Northeast Weekend because as Canadian chapters, sometimes I know, regardless of how much headquarters tries, sometimes we feel a little bit isolated and disconnected. And it's, it's very easy to sort of start to separate yourselves from your American sisters. But when you're at convention, everybody is at the same level. And when you participate in ritual together, you realize that all of these people, whether they have, you know, different uh, mottos or they have a different um, song that they like to sing or something like that. They all have something in common with you and those are the virtues and the values of our ritual. And it's very leveling and human force that uh, we're very lucky to have. 
Well, I agree with you. And, and it's interesting you talk about the challenges of being Canadian because you're not wrong. And it's not the first time that we have had our Canadian sisters, you know, to say. And we are, I think, as, as Americans, not always mindful of it because there is very much um, this thought that, you know, it, it's just, it's, I would imagine that Canadians are the same way about many things. It's just, it's your natural sort of tilt to life in your thought process until you think, oh my gosh, we have all of these women and all of these chapters and, and they're not on that same, you know, whether it's an election cycle for your chapter because they, you know, and we, and we have quarter chapters in, you know, quarter systems in the, the States as well. But, but there are so many different things and I think we do have to really make an effort. And I think you're right. I think our headquarters team does a really good job of, of stepping outside of that proverbial box to say, okay, how does this impact our Canadian sisters? But I think sometimes we don't even know until it happens and we're like, okay, now we know. Let's, let's readjust the course for the next time. Um, I will say that I was delighted, and I will give you a shout out as well as some of our Canadian sisters. Back, my gosh, I went on our foundation in 2009, and the conversation had predated me. So, so it did not start with me by any means, but I know that I joined the foundation then, and the conversation had been in progress for many years about a Canadian foundation for AOPI and we had not ever had one. We have had some Panhellenic sisters who have experimented with that and some I think it was successful and some I think there were challenges and and the paperwork is very different. I will say that. There there are some differences but that is a big one and it was just this last year that the Canadian Foundation was established, right? And was able to award their first scholarship. And this was pretty amazing because, not that I think I should know all things, but I had literally just been in a room with some of our Canadian sisters. We were talking about the establishment of the foundation. I do support in a very small way, but I do make an effort to support our Canadian Foundation. Um, and. And we're having this whole conversation and they tell me they're awarding the very first one and they never tell me who. We get home and all of a sudden they make an announcement that you are the first scholarship winner. <laughs> of the and I was like, I, I was there. <laughs> and I had seen you and you didn't tell me either. <laughs> yeah. That was like... Louisa, one of my two littles, will attest to the fact that I sort of freaked out in our hotel room when I got that email. Um, I had no idea who I was allowed to tell, so I wasn't going to tell Well, anybody. you didn't tell me. <laughs> um, so I just, I, I scrolled through to find a headshot that they could use, and I was like, here, have these things, and I'm just going to have this freak out and be so very blessed and honored, honestly. I was lucky enough, uh, I think, two years before that to receive a foundation scholarship to help me with my MA. So having this from the AOPI Foundation Canada and to be their first recipient was, it was uh, an overwhelming experience. I'm so still so very honored about it. And um, I'm happy that 
I also know I get to make that contribution to the foundation as well. Um, I know I'm a grad student and I can't make a lot of monetary gifts, but that is definitely something that I set aside for because I think it's important and I want to be able to give back to the people who have given so much to me. And uh, it's been absolutely amazing. That was uh, that was quite the, the unexpected highlight of uh, the most recent convention, yes. Also for me, after we got home and someone finally told me, <laughs> but I was so proud. You know, I often share the story that I was very fortunate that my grandparents had set aside a college fund for me and the rules of the game were that this is how much it was and you could spend it however you needed to. And I received scholarships for school and that is what allowed me the opportunity to be in the sorority without having to have a job during school that would would preclude me from many of the activities and and still allow me to make my grades for my scholarship but when i applied to graduate school it came with a pretty hefty price tag even back in the 90s and it was my college roommate at the time who said why don't you apply for a scholarship and I firmly believe that the receipt of that scholarship allowed me to set aside the money that I needed to go straight into graduate school, which by all accounts altered the next several years, my professional career, where I would be, who I would meet, the fact that I have a husband and children and all of the things that are not related to the profession, but, but that I, I firmly believe it gave me an opportunity to continue when I otherwise would have had to take time to, to make other financial arrangements. So I am thrilled for you. I will give a shout out to the Canadian Foundation um, for all of my American sisters as well. If you believe in education for women and you put your money where that is, give some to the Canadian Foundation. If you don't have Canadian income to offset it, that's okay. You don't have to get a tax break for everything, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't say in a pandemic because right now everyone is scrambling for all the things. But I believe in education for women and I believe that Anything that we can do to support our sisters, to help them do the same in any country is, is a wonderful thing if we are able. So, so I will give a shout out. I can't wait to see the next one um, and to send a note of congratulations to them as well because I think that's pretty amazing. And I can't wait to be able to call you doctor because that will be a fun part of that process um, oh, to celebrate all of the things. Well. Yes, yes. Um, so Sam, you are, you are an only child. You live alone in pursuit of your studies on a literal island, and now we are in the middle of a pandemic that says, stay home and, and don't do all of the things. So tell me, from your perspective, what you are doing to not make your world crazy. Because you and I were talking, and I will be I will, all honesty, um, before we got started, and people know if they listen often, this is not scripted. Um, generally the conversation, I always want to know history. If we have a connection, I want to share it, but you don't get a list of questions that say, this is what Crystal will ask. Um, but we were talking before that some days really are better than others. Yesterday for me, and I won't say what day we're recording this so no one can go back and say, oh, this was a day and that's why she was crazy. But yesterday was just a lot for me. I woke up in a not great space. I went for a run that didn't fix it and it normally does and it didn't. It was a beautiful day outside and I couldn't enjoy even that. It was just, I hit a wall and it was just a 
crazy day and I was overwhelmed and I didn't love all of the things. And then today I woke up and it was okay again. So, and, and you know, when I am trying to do all of the things, you all know that I don't love yoga, but I, I really try hard. I want, I want to do it. And when I do it, I do think I feel better and I'm trying to eat healthy and I'm getting dressed every day. I've been put on eyeshadow today. Like, you know, I'm doing all of those things. But some days that's still just not enough and that's okay. Like it's okay that I didn't, that yesterday was not okay. Like it's okay to not be okay. So tell me how you are and how you are making things okay even when they're not. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's, it's a difficult time. I feel like I've been starting every single email that I send to a friend or a colleague with, I hope uh, this email finds you well in these uncertain times or in these <laughs> chaotic times because we don't know how else to approach this scenario. Um, I have a lot of friends who also study popular culture and I'm hearing a lot from the ones who study sci-fi and apocalyptic narratives and they're just like, oh, you know, maybe you should stay away from this movie or this book or maybe we shouldn't <laughs> talk about this character right now because it's a little too close to home. Um, I, I think I have a bit of an advantage, I suppose, in the work for home, from home model because for the past seven years or so, I have been conducting freelance work from home. The problem with that, of course, is that your home becomes your work and your work becomes your home. And suddenly you are working until nine o'clock in the evening and that's not okay either. You need to start drawing boundaries and lines. I don't really have a routine yet, actually, um, which is strange for me. I you know, generally get up early, make breakfast, do any chores I need to do. But I found since this pandemic's been called, I'm sleeping later. I am definitely indulging a little bit more in what people might think of as like more trivial pursuits, but I've been watching television and movies and I call home every single day. It's part of my parents' routine now because we want to catch up and, and make sure that they haven't gone outside and <laughs> unless they have to. And um, it's, it's difficult to deal with this time period. I, I think you're right in saying that it's okay not to be okay. I myself had one of those days the other day. I was still sort of productive. I had gone through some readings and I had answered some emails, but it, at the end of the day, it didn't feel like I'd accomplished anything. And that's the most frustrating part. I think about some of this is that you don't know when things are going to end so the waiting is what frustrates you when you don't have a clear goal or end time you become frustrated so as for what i've been doing i've been trying a variety of different things i've taken up puzzles i luckily have one in my apartment that a friend left last year i've with varying degrees of success, taking up hacky sack. <laughs> I'm not wait, 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 wait. That was from when I was a little girl. How did you even have one? I, I found it when I, I had a little games corner in my apartment and I had left it there. I don't know why I brought it with me when I moved for my MA because everything I've taken from there moved with me to the island. Um, but I had it there and I saw it a few weeks ago and said, oh, you know, 
should start learning this and not by any means good but uh, it's kind of nice to laugh at yourself and uh, to remember that not everything's going to be perfect during this pandemic and I think the productivity expectations of a lot of people need to change in terms of when I study for instance I study particularly trauma in adaptation and I've been reading a lot about how trauma manifests both in the body and in people's minds and I think everyone needs to realize is what they're going through right now is a traumatic event and we are in a survival mode whether you are on the front lines and you are working as a healthcare worker or you are working at a grocery store and big shout out to all of those people because yes. they are keeping us alive and well and healthy and hale and it's I don't know how they have the strength to do it but I really appreciate it and I think people need to realize that they're not going to be dealing with their normal for a long time even if this ended in a month it's normal doesn't just snap back it's not an elastic our lives aren't elastic and I think people need to realize that the survival mentality that we're in means that they're going to be dealing with a reduced amount of productivity. And for instance, when I'm trying to read all of my books, I'm realizing I can't read the same amount that I usually would in a day. I just, my brain can't take it. And I'm learning to be okay with that. I'm drinking a lot of tea and lighting candles when I need to and calling friends and checking in with people. And making those really small steps, I think, is what's helping me. I'm definitely baking a lot as well. I know that's everyone's like new favorite craze, but the problem <laughs> is that I live alone, so that means I have to eat all of my baking. <laughs> so we'll see. That might become, as you, you said in one of yours, a limited like once a week sort of treat for myself. <laughs> yeah. um, but I definitely think, yeah, those are the types of things that I'm trying to do to keep myself grounded. And if I can get outside, I will. Um, there's a lot of people in my neighborhood are still walking around though. Um, I'm still frustrated with some people who aren't taking this seriously, especially that we are in, I believe week four. Um, and I think it's really important that people pay attention to the fact that even if you are not concerned for yourself, you need to be concerned for the rest of the world. You need to be concerned for the people around you. Uh, Everyone's life is important and people need to be serious and mindful of uh, the people that they're putting in danger when they're going outside because they're bored. So I am sure that you can find things in your house or your apartment to keep yourself occupied. I know that um, if you are a volunteer or something like that, having Zoom chats have been really helpful. I know the most recent AAC meetings have been really great check-ins with everybody just to make sure that everyone is uh, staying sane and uh, see how people are doing. So reaching out and also staying home, washing your hands, being the smartest that you can be because I have the belief that all of our sisters are intelligent and uh, we'll put the best foot forward. So that's how I'm trying to keep myself grounded is just the very small things. I think you have to take the little victories where they are. Well, and I think it's interesting, <clears throat> you know, I feel like I have been as busy as ever in mm -hmm. the middle of this pandemic. And yet to your point, at the end of the day, I don't have nearly what I would have to show for it. And sometimes that's really challenging. And yet I do think it's a time we have to extend ourselves grace 
It is a time when we have to know that it is different and that life is elastic. And even when we can go back to a quote normal, I don't know that it will ever be quite the same. I think this is one of those moments, you know, when we talk about life events as people, you know, my parents' generations would say we knew where we were when. And mm-hmm. our world, where I live, it's, it's when we talk about before and after, we talk about Hurricane Katrina. We don't even have to say the name of it. We say, oh, before the hurricane. And it's known that it's Katrina. Um, for people in the generation before, it was Camille, you know, and, and I think this is one of those life-defining moments. And yet, at the same time, to extend grace, not only to other people, and to know that everyone is approaching this from what what is their best effort, right? Most people anyway. And that that we must give them and ourselves a little bit of grace in how we get through the days and on what that looks like at the end of it. I have a checklist. I love lists. I love to-do lists. I have them everywhere. And, you know, these days I tend to roll more over to the next day than not. And yet there is still some feeling of progress. And to your point, it had not dawned on me yet to celebrate that one or two check marks a day. And I love the idea of the little victories. But now I will ask you some questions that you don't know, and I'm just curious. So tell me, what is the last thing you baked? Oh, um, just two days ago, I made white chocolate and butterscotch chip cookies. Oh, that sounds divine. Okay, and what is the last book that you read? For fun, not for this other thing. <laughs> oh, goodness. That will um, require I call you doctor one day. I, I feel like I did read a book. Oh, I read a book. I'm not going to remember the name of it, but um, it was a book about the history of the television show The View. <laughs> um, okay. Which is something I started watching in my masters for whatever reason um to keep up with another form of news not that we need it in this day and age but uh, it became sort of the background to my dinners while I was writing my master's thesis and my mom had bought me the book at Christmas and it was actually so interesting to learn about the ins and outs of television programming and a lot of inside scoops about Barbara Walters. Okay, so that's what I was about to say. Do I remember that it started with Barbara Walters? Yes, yes. Um, and the, the author had gotten interviews with almost everybody involved in the show. It was uh, very well researched. It was entertaining and a little dramatic at times. And uh, quite a lovely one that read. I'm going to look this up. Wait, what did you just call it? Quite a fun laundromat read. A laundromat Um, read. Yeah, I do my reading at the laundromat (laughs) usually. (laughs) My fun reading, at least. We call those beach reads where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm writing this down. Okay, and what is the last show that you watched on television or movie? Yeah, I'm I'm watching some Canadian content right now. It's called Shit's Creek. Um, (laughs) I've seen it, but I have never watched it. Yeah, and uh, I've been enjoying how wholesome and lighthearted it is. Um, it's quite funny, 20-minute episodes. It's and it's Canadian? It, it has Canadian undertones in it, yeah. It's Canadian content, yeah. Okay, I'm adding it to my watch list. Can I find it on Netflix? I'm sure you'd be able to find it on American Netflix, yeah. Okay. Is there a Canadian Netflix? 
Well, we have different offerings than you do. Um, so when I travel to the States, I take advantage of whatever Netflix shows that I can't get back home. Really? Um, I don't yes, know why I thought, yeah, okay, so now I just, I'm acting like a crazy person because I guess I thought Netflix was the same for anyone, no matter where you are. Different depending on where you are. So when I traveled last summer to the UK, I got uh, Buffy back because they've taken it off of. Okay, wait, I'm sorry. Buffy? Yes. The person getting her PhD in classical things. Are you surprised? I I am. I am am very surprised. (laughs) I I cosplayed as Buffy once, actually. Uh, Very low key, but. Okay, I love this. Just for the record, this is... Okay, we have to end now. There is nothing more perfect than this ending to this conversation. (laughs) Samantha, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed this conversation. And to see your face, as opposed to the emails we send every few months to one another. And for everyone out there, thank you for listening. And as always, stay safe.